Welcome back. Another episode we go in and present today, joined by longtime friend of the program, the legendary Wordsworth. Um, first off, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, it's a Wednesday night, you know, a couple weeks back off a of winter break. Like, how's the school year going so far? Um, so far, it's pretty good. It's uh, new for me because they just changed the scheduling. We used to have kind of like an odd even thing so you know i might see a student monday and then wednesday friday now i see them every day now we're like seven periods and that's it so it's straight through um so it's been an adjustment for me it's um because it's been more work as opposed to uh, projects being drawn out a little bit longer but um it's new so i'm, I'm always excited about something new because it pushes me to have to do new things and and figure out the adjustment so that's where I'm at. It's a learning curve right now, but I'm still excited to be there because I'm learning something new and the kids are learning something new too. No, that's amazing. I always liked the singleton days where you see your students every day. Like I like that continuity piece, even if the periods were shorter. Do you have a preference? Like do you like the block scheduling better? I I do. I do like um, – let me, let me say – I don't want to say I like anything yet because this just started January, this new one through seven. So I need to kind of say, let me get used to it because a month in, I would still say I prefer how it was, right? Because I did that for about eight, nine years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm still new at this one. So I wouldn't really... Um, I can't really give you my assessment on it until like this this uh, first five months of really experiencing it. Um, but as of now, pacing is, is such an issue, right? So like before you have um, one class, you see them three times that week. You don't see them maybe for another three, four days in between because it's odd and even. So a project is more drawn out because you have less hours. Now that they're there back to back, back to back, back to back, it's almost like a time crunch of getting a project possibly done faster, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be done faster. And those kids don't have that mental break sometimes. I like I used to like that day when they see them the next day they have a mental break for me. No doubt. No, I yeah, I know what you mean. And, you know, getting in those those habits, they're they're hard to break or those routines, you know, that it can be really hard to break. And, yeah. you know, think, I know you're someone who is always looking at how can you do things better, whether it's it's you as an MC, you as a teacher. Like, what have you done to continue improving as a teacher and, and, and staying innovative and staying inspired? Well, I try to, like, just be observant of my surroundings and listen. So what I mean by that is, like, I'm always watching a TV show with, what do I like that they've done that's interesting and saying, wow, that's interesting. I should do that in class. Or I might hear an idea and be like, whoa, oh, I like what they said, but I'm going to flip it like this and present it to the class when we're working on this project. So I think the best thing um, is just staying with your eyes and ears open um, to, to watching stuff and observing and then saying, okay, 
how do I teach who I'm around this technique that I adore from watching it and hearing it? What technique? So that's how I stay innovative. And then I'm always just, you know, in the classroom, um, the students a lot of times will give you their natural instincts of an idea. So, for example, um, a PSA, if you present that idea, you'll probably get maybe eight to nine times out of ten, give me a topic that, you know, people want to talk about that's, you know, alarming and, you know, you want to bring attention to. And most of the kids in middle school, I would say, or maybe even high school, maybe like smoking, drinking, you know, like alcohol. Like, so they kind of have these kind of like uh, programmed answers to say. Mm. Um, but um, that pushes me to say, all right, we've done that. If you want to do that, how do we do it differently? Or I also will say, those are, I kind of introduce to them and let them know, hey, these are kind of common ideas. That's why most of y'all are saying it. Let's try to think of something outside the box. So for so the past few years, um, we entered this contest we do every year, and we've won doing PSAs with different topics that the kids have come up with because I pushed them to go outside the box. We won about dementia. Mm. We won doing vitiligo. So that's the thing that um, I try to make sure we're doing. Like, pick something that's not the obvious. obvious. But I think you have to let kids know they're picking it. They're doing the obvious, right? right. They don't know it, it. You can't. They don't know they're necessarily doing the obvious. They're kids. So when they're doing smoke, they want to do alcohol, smoke. They want to do climate change. Um, what's some of us racism? So these are like real topics that they always say. But once you kind of like say, okay, how do you do it differently? They go outside the box. But you got to let them know, like these are kind of common topics. You know, you know. I think we could think of some other stuff. What's some other things we could do? Then they force themselves. But if you just kind of accept it, then they're just gonna run with it. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. You know, the the and and. Just hearing the way that you you teach and approach your your classes, you know, like I always think about that, and like you know, that's the kind of classes I want my kids to be in. So it's it's really cool what you're doing, and you've really been able to expand like into hip hop ed, and that's like a whole other dimension in a lot of ways. Where you got guys like Jay Rawls and and Mickey Fax and so many guys there. What's that been like getting to really? go to conferences and really collaborate with guys like Jay Rawls? Man, you know, I get to really respect the grind. You know, that's the main thing. Like, I'm kind of new still. That's what I realized. So coming into it and seeing, like, Jay Rawls becoming a professor of hip-hop um, and him paying his dues and, uh, looking at his V-tie, you know, like, and stuff like that. And, like, you know, man, the things he's done throughout the years, it just, it's incredible to see. So it inspires me to, like, push forward more with, okay, you just kind of got it in comparison to your boys that's doing it and being able to do hip-hop and take it to another level. Um, so put in some more work and figure it out along the way and try to change things as much as you can so it's been a it's been a great inspiration to be around james miles john robinson and jay rawls uh we call ourselves the ed benders 
and everybody has their own unique superpower and it's been it's just been dope to do it because they're able to kind of show me how you can implement hip-hop and stuff and i'm able to share some ways too and then we collaborate and we discuss stuff pretty much every every weekend we have a meeting pretty much mm. that that's amazing you know what what progress you know do you want to see if we were looking at like hip-hop had expand hip-hop ed expanding in the next like two three years like what direction and, and ways do you want to see it grow in more you know schools and and to, to more students i think that teachers have to have an understanding of what hip hop is and how they can implement it. Because I think there's a fear there of hip hop. So you have to find people that are able to explain what hip hop is. Because I think it has a bad connotation because of the rap component of it. But hip hop is dressing, you know, there's, you know, beatboxing, DJing, dancing. There's like all these facets to it. But the fact that rap is in the forefront and not everybody likes every style of rap, they pick up which style that they think may be harmful or that they feel like is not um, representative of what society or what they believe is good music. They'll take that aspect of some rap that they don't agree with and say, I'm not bringing that in my classroom, as opposed to saying, well, they're rapping, so maybe we should do some music like that. They're doing fashion. Maybe we need to figure out how to bring the fashion into it. They're doing this so they can relate to their kids without necessarily having to follow the direction of what they don't agree with. Look to what they do agree with. And I think some people need training on that. So mm -hmm. that's why these PDs, these professional developments are important. So we should probably have some professional developments on hip-hop in schools and figuring out how to implement it. No, that that's I agree with you 100% there. And you also designed a course on um, the art of the freestyle man for University of Miami. What's it been like seeing that course out there now at this point that it's been available? And what kind of feedback have you gotten on the course you designed? Man, it's been amazing just to have an idea and then see it brought to life. You know, so um, Frost Music uh, is in conjunction with the University of Miami, and they have um, the program that's been amazing. That's where I got my master's of music business from the University of Miami through Frost School of Music. And it's been amazing because I think people didn't realize that some of the techniques that I may use, I'm able to explain it in such a way that is palatable so like they can people can hear it and be able to go like oh wow okay understand what he i never thought about that or that concept i never thought you know that concept could be explained and i can grasp it and use it i think sometimes you may see an artist create something and feel they can never do it you know, or the explanation for it would be too far-fetched to grasp the idea. But me having that program, you know, I get to teach you how to freestyle. I teach you about um, how to come up with rhymes. I teach you how to structure your bars and ways to think about verses and things like that, that it makes people 
rethink and reevaluate the way they're thinking without me saying something that makes them feel like they can't comprehend. So the feedback from it has been like, it's been great because people said, Hey, I've learned from that. I never thought about that. You know, um, I didn't think to do that. So that's what's been cool about providing some of these tips is just, it helps people think outside the box. Mm. And, you know, I appreciate you, you know, giving me your blessing to be on the cover of my latest collection of, of interviews, Word 7. You know, link is in the bio for folks who want to cop that off Amazon. And what I love about, about putting Word 7 together is going back to see all of the interviews that we did over the years and, and seeing them side by side. And that was just really cool because we've done a bunch, but seeing them all together shows just the growth, not just of you as an artist, but of me as a writer and an interviewer and, and everything that I'm doing. You know, what does it mean to you to really think and, and go back and reflect and see your interviews and your growth over the years? Um, I think sometimes you may get like caught up and and stagnant at times. Um, either you're trying to figure out what your next direction is, what's the next thing you want to do. And then a lot of times in these interviews, you say all these things in interviews that you want to do, what you're trying to work on and what you're, you're aiming at. And then those things don't come to fruition. So you get to kind of like go back, see what you said and say, did you live up to that promise you kind of made to yourself? Yeah, a lot of interviews deal with early promises. So that's the great thing about documenting things because you get to kind of say, oh, I said I, said I was going to do that. Did I do that yet? So that's the best thing about a lot of interviews is going back and seeing what you said and asking yourself, did you live up to the expectations of your own? Right. And it's also a challenge, I think, in a lot of interviews for artists to talk about what's going on in their life without like over promising and under delivering in the future. Because, I mean, I've heard of so many amazing projects and albums through interviews that have just never really seen the light of day. Yeah, that's that's true. There's so many ideas and, and things and, you know, um, it's just what you say, you, it almost, if you don't hold yourself to what you say in an interview, it will be held, you will be held to, held to be accountable to it by people that have read the interview. Yo, whatever happened to the show you said you was doing? Whatever happened? <laughs> people mm-hmm. are going to come, yo, whatever happened to that movie you were going to, whatever happened to that script? And it, they call you out in itself. So sometimes your own interview can be your best mirror. So how important do you think interviews are to artists in 2024? Oh, interviews are um, at the forefront of promotion. You have to do an interview to promote pretty much every and anything. You'll see um, previous, it's about content a lot nowadays. So you'll see people, you'll see the same person being interviewed by three to four different people in your, as you're scrolling through. Like, man, they're on this way, this way. That's the new form of commercial, right? So that's a whole new commercial now. Interviews is a commercial, especially if you do it visually. That's that's even better for people because they want that content for their YouTube channels. So interviews are highly um, respected and needed because people don't want to just hear 
the music and watching movies. They want to know, I right, so, you know, what kind of car you drive or what kind of food you eat or, um, you know, how do you relax? What video games you play? So there's so many various questions that people wonder about you because we've been brought together so closely, so close that people are, let's just say, nosier. We're all nosier and more curious. So um, that's Yeah, I post this product, certain product on people ask, yo, where'd you get that? So interviews are highly important, um, more so than probably ever because of the content level that it is. No doubt, you know, and, and you're one of the artists too that I really appreciate. Like you don't have a problem going back in your history, you know, for, for, for us, I don't really feel the need to ask you about Lyricist Lounge today because we've talked about it so much in other interviews. So that, that content is already out there. But other people, they might be talking to you for the first time and they'll bring up something you did in the 90s and you're still cool talking about it. You're not saying like, no, I'm only talking about this book project I just did or this album and nothing else. You know, so where does that come from? You know, just that that demeanor and, and persona to, to talk about your old stuff without feeling like frustrated or, you know, like, no, no, I only talk about current stuff. No, I've realized that every interview is a campaign speech. Mm. So what I mean by that is, right, I learned that more so when I used to watch politics heavy, like when Obama started running, that's when I was really heavy into watching politics, when he started running. And I would be watching CNN and be like, he's in Iowa saying the same speech he said in Michigan. Then he's saying the same speech in California. Now he's in Charlottesville saying the same thing in Florida. And you would think, okay, he's running a speech in the ground because CNN is showing the same speech again, back to back. You remember the lines, you know the joke he's going to do and everything, even the jokes and everything. But then you realize that nobody hears just one outlet. Uh, you know, not, not, nope, not, I don't say nobody, I mean by like, nobody just hears one outlet and then that's it, right? And then the world hears it. Like at the same time, it's not gonna be um, this one outlet that's heard by everybody. That's what I mean. Right. The one outlet isn't heard by just everybody. So you gotta, you realize that people are gonna ask you some questions that people don't know. There's always gonna be somebody that doesn't know something about you. They're always gonna learn something about you. It is that you can, you can interview somebody that you think is the most famous person in the world right now, and somebody, you go out there and be like, yeah, you know, they was telling me about how they, you know, was raised on a farm, and they'll be like, somebody be like, I didn't know they was on a farm. He's like, you didn't know that? That's where he was born. And they'll be like, no, nah, I didn't know. So you're always informing people. So I learned that, you know, every interview is like a campaign speech. So I don't mind being asked the same question over and over, because there's people that don't know these things. No, that, that's a great outlook, and I, I appreciate that. You know, you also want to talk to you about your verse on All I Want off of Master Ace's Richmond Hill, which just dropped this past Friday. First off, man, just listening to Richmond Hill, like what are your initial thoughts on Ace's album? Man, I always love hearing it because 
the quality has always been high and it is just sustained. You know what I'm saying? Like he's able to maintain that that quality, you know, and being a fan first, um is just like you know, I bought Ace's albums before I knew him. So then I remember how young I was when I got to take a look around. And then in the Juice Crew at that time, you didn't know that how long Ace's career would last. I don't think nobody could predict that. And that to to me, his career has, has been incredible, you know. Um, so you just never know. So to see from take a look around the growth and how special the music still is, I think that's a testament to his legacy of being one of the best ever. So hearing the album, it's just incredible to hear it because you know that, one, you know the beats are going to be fired because of Marco, and then the concepts are always dope. Like Ace is always able to figure out a new way to tell a story and to make sure that he's making songs that are actually... Um, worth listening to or like affect something like they they affect the the world he's not just writing just to be up here scribbling stuff down that's not on his agenda you know um when i heard the album i'm listening to certain songs and i'm just texting them titles like yo check out this joint yo this joint right here is fire yo i like hero jordan theory you know, I'm tight. Every time I hear a song that I'm, I'm loving. I'm like, yo, I'm texting him the song title. So it's it's just uh, you know, that's the, cool. the long, longevity. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was gonna say the longevity is just it's unspoken. You know, it's unspoken of like it's incredible, man. To qual the quality, the quality control is crazy. Yeah. No, no doubt. So did you see your song titles make it to the final track listing? Um I just I knew when I I knew when he sent it to me it was I, I would say it was gonna make it because Ace doesn't just do random songs. He's very meticulous. Like he's not gonna send me something that probably wouldn't make it. He's sending me something he had a verse on it already and he's like, Yeah, this is the concept, boom, boom. So he's not just recording songs just to be recording them. If it doesn't make it, it's, it didn't make it just based on probably how the overall project ended up. But for the most part, Ace doesn't pick something that he's not feeling to write to. So I I had a high, um, you know, I had thought it would make it, high probability that it would make it. Um, and I've, I've, I'm loving the response. You know, that people have given me for it. I didn't think it would get that big of a response like that. You know what I'm saying? To be honest with you, I really didn't know. I just know when I'm writing the rhyme, what I plan on saying, and what I think is dope, and what's going to make people react. But the the response has been very overwhelming about my verse. So I'm I'm more than excited about that. No, that's amazing. And so you were saying, too, though, that you were texting Ace, like, potential titles for the songs after you heard them too, right? Well, not the songs after I heard them. I was texting him once the album dropped, which songs I love. If I look at my text now, I'm like, 
you know, below the clouds. And I go, Jordan Berry. And then I'm telling you know, I keep texting every time I hear something that I'm like, yo, that's my joint. It's it's just nonstop going through the album, like which ones I'm finding to be my favorites. I'm just texting the title. Yeah. No, it, I, th- I thought he did an incredible job on the album too. Like it's, it's been in rotation, you know, since it dropped on Friday, you know, did, was any part of you surprised at all? Because like knowing Ace, like I'm not surprised, but you see, you see like social media, you know, if you, if you search like Richmond Hill on Twitter, for example, you see, Oh, he's 57. He's still doing this. Like at such a high level. It's like, I don't think age is even comes close to being a factor with just how dope Ace is and his level of quality control there. Nah, it doesn't. It's it's not. It's not. It's just like um, the thing about him is that he's found his pocket and he knows what he wants to do and how to craft. And I think the main thing that keeps him timeless is just. Being able to flow and know how to adjust and change your flow to to what's going according, like that joint with him and um, was it Costa Costa Contra? Was yeah, that Costa Contra. Yeah, certified. Certified, right? Like that certified joint with them. When I heard it, because I when I heard it when it dropped, I texted him on that too. Like, ooh, you floating on this one, man. Just that the way those drums are, the average person would just probably rhyme a certain way, just like just run through with their verse. But on there, he's riding the drums in the pocket so perfectly. So not too many people make those adjustments at this age and stage that we are. Like a lot of my favorites, it don't matter whatever beat you give them, they're rhyming the same. And that's the problem. You know, you can't rhyme the same on every joint. You can't. So you got to hear that drum, hear those pockets, and, and change the flows. No, for sure, man. How did you and Ace, too, just take me back a minute, please. Like, how did you guys become friends and such, like, incredible collaborators in the first place? Um. Well, me and Punch were doing an EP on the same label that – Ace was producing a project on, and um, JF is the the owner of that label called Mona Hip Hop, and me and JF did a, ended up doing an album called Undivided Attention. He actually is the DJ on that. Um, so JF played him, me and Punch, and he was like, yo, I like these dudes. They're kind of dope. And we got invited to come to the studio, and that's how we did Block Episode. And that, from then... Once that album was done, Ace was doing a tour for Disposable Arts, and we went on that tour, and that's how the bond began. That's really cool. And, you know, when you look at that relationship over the years, you know, not every relationship that, you know, is maintained and stays, you know, in in a space where, um, you know, it's, it's positive, it's productive. Like, what do you think it is about you and Ace that's allowed you to, to produce such high-quality work over the years where it's not just a one-off or, you know, you guys are cool for EMC, but then you never really talk to each other again? Like, what what, what about that relationship has allowed it to, to really last through the years? Man, we, we talk every day. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's really one of the strongholds of it all. Like, we've had 
we got a group chat. So every day somebody's saying something in a group chat. You know, <laughs> it could be it could be about sports, it could be about pop culture. So that group chat is the glue um, to it all for the most part. And then just like respecting everybody's um, way they are. I think that's the main thing, you know, as a group and going on tour throughout the years, we've all toured together. We was on tour for about 15 years straight or so, all of us. And there was no arguments. Nobody, because everybody respected who they were. Like, once you learn how the person is, you just be like, well, I know they not eating that, or I know they don't like that, or I know they they not going to do that, or they tired, let them sleep, or they this and that, and you just let them respect it because you want the same respect. So I think that's what's helped everything um, last this long is the mutual respect of everybody's boundaries. And if you can respect people's boundaries and you get the same respect, then they can deal with you. That that's amazing. Like, so not even a fight on tour of like, put your shoes back on or like, you know, we're not stopping at this restaurant. We're getting this kind of food. Like not even like those minor disagreements, like everything is cool. Cause that's not, that's not common. No, because we go, all right, showtime is uh, 11, 11 p.m. Dinner is at 7. We're going here. You want to go? Nah, I'm going to chill. All right. Um, we got dinner at 7. We all going? Yeah, I'm going to meet you. We all go. All right, we all going to get on. The band is leaving at 7. The band is leaving at 6.45, so we get that at 7. So we got to be downstairs at 6.30. Are we all going? All right. We know ahead of time. We kind of like, it's not really like nobody's going to surprise nobody because we're communicating so well about stuff so there's no discrepancies, you know? So if we, we're going to all know dinner is going to be at 7 because we're all together in the van. So there's no need to like later on have an argument about that. Yeah. That's amazing. What did you think too? Like, let's take it to Richmond Hill where – you're on the song All I Want and it's, you know, really has you and, and Ace talking about your Christmas wish list. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's an, it's an amazing concept for a song and something that will definitely get a lot more play in December too. When we look at like great hip hop holiday songs, what's it like when you get a concept and you really have to build your verse around a concept versus just, you know, here, just do whatever you want on this beat. But like, you know, this is a concept record. How do you approach those? You know, I just try to, like, have an extraction process of everything about the idea and then what's the best parts of of that extraction. Like, it's like my mind is kind of like a juicer, man. <laughs> and that's kind of how I approach it. It's kind of like what's the best that I can squeeze out of this particular concept then take all those ideas and say, this one sounds good. If I if I heard somebody say this, I would I would be like, yeah, I was that was like another. So my my approach is always trying to figure out how do I write a verse for a stranger that I just heard for the first time that will wow me. So what I mean by that is. All of us have been somewhere and seen this person rhyme at an open mic or just step on stage and you go, yo, that person's dope. What they said is this, oh, that person's dope because 
how they did this. So my thought process is always trying to write from what would be said that if you do not know me and I came on stage and said this, you would go, that person is dope. So like I said, it's all, I'm always campaigning. I'm always campaigning. So every verse is a campaign speech for me. That's awesome. When you know you've nailed it and it's like this verse doesn't need anything else, like it's it's good the way it is. Yeah, I think when I when I feel each line represents um different people or different moments. So um and then when I say all I want for Christmas from my wish list I know Christmas and Whistler sounds dope rhyming already. Now, what could I rhyme with those, especially for the first opening lines that's big and, and interesting? So I know black loan, black black business, and I know like school loan forgiveness. That's very major, you know, in general. One, black businesses supporting them is a major thing. But then also school loan forgiveness is just in general universally important. Um, so I'm trying to think of, I just try to figure out what's the next thing after that. So it's a, it's a, it's really a listing process, man. And just trying to like narrow it down to what, what I think is important. What would wow me if I heard somebody say something? Yeah. That's why we're, that's why we're fans of other people. That, that, that's an amazing approach. You know, when you look at doing concept records, do you prefer concept records over more like freestyle type records? Totally. If you if you ever bought my albums for the past, I would say, I don't know, last four or five albums, six albums, whatever I'd, I've done, I only do maybe one record on there bragging because, right. um, because that's a big show record. So like if there's an interlude and I'm trying to prove I'm I'm that dude, I got that song on there. Or for certain people that want to hear that that essence of hip hop is about you know the braggadocio and stuff, I'll have that on there. But concepts always last forever. Concepts are eternal. So I'd rather write about a concept or a story or something I'm going through in my life because mutual thoughts are key to um, forever. No, I, I agree with you too. And, and, and when I, when I talk about concept records, I, you know, I, we should add story, story, storytelling in there. Cause I think it's, it's so related to concept records. Like I kind of see it as one yeah. and the same in a lot of ways, but I know like hip hop purists will probably find ways to like argue the way that they're different, you know, but that's that's my favorite types of songs to hear from you too, like those concept records where it's like you're going through the wish list on on all I want, or the storytelling records where you're really bringing characters and situations to life and making it like where the listener can really connect and like feel those emotions, you know, throughout the verses. So I appreciate the way that you approach those. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really what what will last. I've I've probably said this before, but when I, I learned that I have to write for like my wife and people that don't know me. And when you get into that understanding of like 
what do what does the average person care about when you write a rhyme? It's the relatability. So me bragging about how dope I am, that's fun in the car playing around. That might be fun on stage. When they're by themselves and they want to pick one of your songs, they need to find something that sticks to them. You know, like like the record shoulder that I've done, Guardian Angel. Like they need to find something that's gonna help them get through that day or or hour or whatever it is that relates to what they're going through, and going through how dope you are and bragging about what you may own and stuff like that. That's not really gonna, you know, stick. But if you maybe put into an idea of success, but success explaining like success may be some of the things that they own that's not dealing with um, um, lavishness. You know, it might just deal with just spending time with somebody or, you know, just making your first $5. So success can come at all levels. So I think when you put it on a universal scale, you're able to relate to people and those records will last forever. No, I, I really appreciate that that explanation. When you're looking at everything you were rhyming about on All I Want off of Richmond Hill, how did you make the list? Because you have a really nice balance of like broader social issues along with like personal asks as well. Like, So what was it like putting that list together that was in your verse? Um, well, I, I really had to think about the mixture of Christmas. So what are the commonalities of Christmas? And I wanted to make sure I had that in there. Um, and then kind of contrasting that with what's going on in the world. So that's, that's really the importance to me of, of when writing the song. That's that was the importance of me is just making sure that I I had Christmas themes in there, but I want so I, you know I talk about the the stocking having a stock the stocking I talk about the Christmas ornaments how us being lynched as Christmas ornaments from trees and stuff like that so it's making sure that that I mentioned I think the for me to me. And people may agree or not agree, the last line is probably the most important line because I go through all of that and at the end then I bring up Santa Claus. But then it's not just me saying I'm Santa Claus, it's what I rhyme about it. You know, Santa Claus, understand the laws and camera pause. I think that's what makes the Santa Claus line so strong is that I don't think the average person would have thought about rhyming Santa Claus with those things, but the average person knows those issues are there. So now that I'm able to talk to talk about Santa Claus and bring up these powerful issues to solidify the verse, it makes people go like, man, anytime somebody thinks of the word Santa Claus that has heard that song, they're going to probably think of those rhymes that go with it because those issues are forever. That's what, that's what I love about it. That's what I think makes the song so timeless is you and Ace going, you know, the, the, what the ideas that you both brought um, into that song. Did you, did you guys hear each other's verses um, before the final, you know, track was, was, was mixed and mastered or did you guys just kind of both go off a concept and then see what, see what you both came up with? Oh, I heard, 
I heard Ace's verse first because I needed to know what kind of direction where I was going with it. It reminds me like when I did the Goodbye song too, when we did the Goodbye on one of the albums. Um, I do Goodbye and I and then in the Goodbye I do all the different languages of Goodbye. Oh, wow, so I was, you know, I do all of that. Um, and I just want to make sure I'm going in the direction that he may may um, think I should go. So sometimes I'm writing it and just trying to write to my best of my ability, but also I'm writing it to impress Ace too, because Ace has done hurt, and you know what I'm saying. He's he's one of the best and part of you know one of the most dynamic crews ever. So he's been around and heard so many rhymes from so many people that every time I write a verse, I'm also trying to prove to him, like, yo, I'm dope, yo. You know what I'm saying? From from being, like, a little brother standpoint of it, like, I'm trying to prove it, like, to my big brother, yo, I'm dope. You know what I'm saying? And also, I'm, I'm a fan of it, so it's like, I always feel like I'm writing that verse to impress one of my favorite artists, despite him being my friend. That's really cool. You know, did when you look at your actual Christmas list, man, from 2023, you know, Christmas being a month ago at this point, did you get everything you wanted? What did the Wordsworth Christmas list look like? <laughs> you know, I actually did get everything that I wanted, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, I'm I really, I'll be honest, man, I don't need, I don't need anything. So it's not really much. I, but my kids, they bought stuff for me. They know I'm really on, I try to be on some healthy stuff and natural stuff. So they bought me like native shower gel, you know, like they bought, they bought me like skincare stuff and, and things like that and some sneakers. Um, but like, I don't, I, I'll be honest, man. I really don't need, I really don't need much, man. Like, I'm I'm good to go on, on things that's kind of in that realm. So for me, at my age and stage of what I'm doing in my life, I'm excited to see everybody else excited getting gifts. I'm good to go. I'm straight, yeah. you know. So for me, I, I could, I'll be honest, if I didn't get a gift, I would be fine. You no, know I, what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it's more it, it's more cool at this stage too, seeing the look on the kids' faces, getting what they want. Yes, yes. The kids and the wife getting things is yep. where I'm at. Me, I'm 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 whatever. You know, give me give me some. I don't know. Give me give me uh I don't know something that I might like. Uh, you know, I like Caribbean food. Maybe you give me some Caribbean food. <laughs> I'm very like little stuff like that because all the other things um, I really don't need. I don't need. No, that's a great perspective. You know, when I saw Ace perform out out here in California with with Marco and Strickland, you know, Strickland took time to shout you out there in the show, and you know, mentioned how you're a teacher. And just like the whole crowd gave you love, you know, so like even when you're not there, like to see it live, like what does it mean when when that kind of when when you get those kinds of shout outs and you find out about it, like, you know, it, it, it works its way back to you somehow, you know, like what, what do those props mean to you? Man, you know, I kind of like I appreciate it 
not even kind of, but I appreciate it because, um, you know, rapping, when you're doing this rap thing, man, you come to a fork in the road sometimes. And you kind of figure, you're trying to figure out, like, am, am I going to be rapping for the next few years? Is this what I'm doing? Is it going to work out? You don't know. You got to go your hardest about it, but there's no, like, real... Um, you know, promise all the time. You can do your best and you can do your thing. So people appreciating that I went to this other route with it. Um, I really just find it, you know, I admire the fact that people take time to shout me out and, and understand that I found another lane that this is my new way of rapping. This is my other version of rapping. So um, I appreciate people appreciating that I was able to get in another space and still be as informative and effective from teaching. So, you know, I'm just very appreciative on that journey of it. I had this discussion this morning with Fool and, you know, uh, big, not big power no more, but we call them power models. And you know, these are the guys from the lounge show. And and I just was telling the fool like we're we're rapping different now, man. You know, uh, my books is a form of rapping. Me teaching is a form of rapping. Power is is really big out there on the migrant stance, like as far as helping migrants come into the country and getting them settled in New York. He's very, he's such a big advocate for that. And he's making speeches. He did a speech on the news the other day. And I got, I recorded that. That came on the news feed. And I'm like, wow, you know, he's doing stuff like that. He's like into this philanthropy thing. So he's rapping different, right? We were on TV and doing music and records. Now he's actually writing stuff and show, and reading it off of his phone speeches and, and things. And fool wants to do books. So I'm like, you know, at this stage and age, man, I just appreciate that people want to hear me rap in a different arena. No, I, I think that's amazing, man. You know, when you, though, look at, like, Ace and Strick going overseas on the European run or the West Coast run they did, do you ever get FOMO, man, you know, knowing that you can't just pack up and go with, with your classroom? So what's that ever like like do you do you wish that you were on on the on the road more oh yeah i would love to be on the road more man i mean the reactions that you get from the crowd you can never really replace that you can never really replace that man you know um and i love it i i think one of the things about me teaching is that i do have that time to do it as far as the Junes and the Julys, and you have that time off. Sometimes I have like little spot dates here and there and doing things, but I would love to do tour. I have time. I have that time to do a tour. Um, so I definitely miss it, of course, you know. But a lot of times the tours are being done during the winter time, in which you know I'm in school and, and teaching, so it's difficult to do to navigate that. So. Um, but I'm always around and available 
when it's when it's time and and I can do it. So um, yeah, I love seeing seeing the videos and people still coming out all those years. It's incredible. No, that's amazing. You know, I, I love the energy at the Ace show and and just seeing the the chemistry between Ace Polo and Strickland was really cool, man. So it's it's a great show. If anyone gets the chance to go see it, like highly recommend. Do you think you guys will get together for another EMC project? I don't know. You know, uh, it just it all depends on timing. That's how it is with timing. It all depends on that. Um, so you never know. I think right now everybody's just really focused on their their solo projects and next endeavors. Ace got the musical going on. Um, you know, I'm working on some other books that's happening. I got a couple of projects. I got a project with PA Dre that's near completion. I got a project with Stu um Stu Bangers that's near completion. And then I'm working with another producer called actually two other projects. I got another project with Jay Soul near completion. And then I work with a producer called The Human. And man, so I think when time is right, time is right. But for the foreseeable future, those would be the things I really want to focus on getting more books done. That's to be honest. That's my main focal point right now. Um, I, I feel like like how you feel, like others that are creative, you're always behind the eight ball on that. You're always late. But I think sometimes you just got to have a little grace with yourself. And so I'm just trying to have a little grace with myself, but also not be complacent. Especially, too, when you look at everything you're doing, man, you know, from being in the classroom to being a family guy, like you got so much on your plate, too. It's like one thing I really respect about you, too, um, one of many, obviously, things is – your time management and just the way that you structure your day, especially on the weekends to make sure you're taking advantage of like free time to get stuff done, but also really centering like that quality family time. Yeah. That's been, that's heavy for me, man. Like, Oh man. Like uh, I'll get like features to do. People give me features to do and depending on when it is or what, when it needs to be done and, it's it's all different dynamics, you know. Somebody needs by tomorrow, and you know it's a business situation. I can get it done by then, but for the most part, um, I'm writing, but I'm sitting with the fan, watching movies and stuff. Because a lot of those years on tour, I missed a lot of years with with being around for certain things. So I was blessed to be around for the past ten years during the formative years, high school years, and now they're adults. So I'm so in tune with that that um, on the weekend or during the week, I come home, you know, and I'm talking to them for a few hours. Then I got a little routine to maybe do like some writing, but it's always like sitting there with them and being present is very important to me. Um, so I'm just trying to do that as much as possible because of the years that I wasn't around when I was younger to hustle and get things to where they are. But yeah, man. And then, like I said, I don't, I won't, but I, but the other thing I'm very honest with people that I work with. So anybody to tell you, if you send me something and I like it or whatever the case, for the most part, I'll keep you up to date. Uh, it might be like, you know, I'll start writing, but then I'll be like, yo, I have for you Saturday. But I pretty much record only on Saturdays. 
because I, I like the rest of the week to write, be for family, and, you know, that's that's the thing for me. Yeah, no, that's huge. Are you and Superstition still thinking about doing that project together, or is that kind of on hold at the moment? I forgot about that one. That one got about, <laughs> what do we got? I think me and him got maybe like nine songs or something sitting there. So, um, I think I hit him the other day. Like, yo, I think I might have hit him the other day about finishing it or what. But I think that's that's there and it's just waiting to be done too. Man, you know, you made me forget about that. That's it. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. So I'm just working on stuff and that's really it. I'm focusing on that and then um, I want to get get started with like a podcast that's the next thing i would like to do so i got an idea for the podcast i actually wanted to i started writing up about i got eight episodes that i want to do so far like i wrote up the intent of each episode and um now i've been looking at cameras like what what camera should i get so it gives me the quality looking on youtube so I was narrowing it down to the R50 Canon versus the Sony EV11, I think it's called, EV11 or EV10. And um, still got to do some research because I heard there's an EV10 too coming out. So I'm in that realm now. And then I spoke to Superstition. When you said Superstition, I remember what I asked him about was what camera was he using? He told me he was using a Canon T8i. I believe. So now I'm in this camera thing. Of, I'm not trying to spend thousands. I'm trying to spend within reasonable, maybe a, at a thousand or under to get a camera that gets me that quality. Cause I'm not going out there filming no, um, not, not filming, but not shooting actual photos necessarily. I want something that I can film videos that trans that look like high budget videos. Mm. So that's why I'm not. And podcasts to look clear. Yeah. No, that's amazing, man. You know, I listen all the time, man. If you do a podcast, I think that's a great, um, you know, next step in the in the huge Wordsworth legacy, man. You know, are you also looking at a Socks sequel? You know, for those who don't know, Socks is your young adult novel. And that did really well when you dropped that back in 2022. You know, will we see a part two to that? Um. I kind of would like to do a part two. Um, one of the creators of, of you know, one of the writers with me on the book, uh, Donnell, was actually thinking about doing a, a spinoff of Holy, because he actually created that character. Mm. So he, and that's one of the favorite characters in the book. And he was thinking about doing a spinoff based on Holy. And I thought that was dope. If he wanted to do it, I was like, yo, do it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do that yet. I really need to get this next book out that I plan that's more of a, I would say, maybe high schoolish, mid, mid, middle schoolish, kind of like, I guess, The Hate You Give. Remember that The Hate You Give movie? Mm. That, that was a book first, but it resonated on all levels, even to adults. So I want to write a book that's kind of in that vein that middle school kids read it, high school kids read it, but it resonates across all all boards. 
That's awesome. You know, and something too that I think is really cool about Richmond Hill, just to go back to that for a second, man, is that you're the last voice we actually hear on the album. What does it mean for you to be able to close the album out like that? Man, I thought about that too the other day, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played it and I was like, wow, I'm the last. So I was like, man, this verse right here is the last verse that people hear. So, you know, that's that's a big deal. That's a big deal because if you listen to the album again and you know you're gonna hear me last and that last verse, you know, fortunately is, you know, dope enough that people when they hear it, they you know, hopefully Ron when they be like, Man, that was a good verse, you know <laughs> Um, so it's very, you know, I'm honored to be the last voice, man. I'm honored to be the last voice to hear on that, man, because it does it does resonate that way. When I heard it the other day, I was like, wow, I'm the actual last verse. Yeah. That's it. That, yeah, that, that's man. big. That's big. I mean, that's, you know, it's that's a it's a pretty big honor, man, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it was, man. It is, I should say. So words, man, you know, I'd love to see that you're back with Jay Soul working on more stuff and, and hearing all the different projects, whether it's books or music that you've been working on, man. Like, so I really appreciate you sharing your insight there, man, and just talk about Richmond Hill and your incredible verse on All I Want. So thank you, words, man, for coming back on the podcast, man, and chopping it up and just, you know, giving us an update. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And I appreciate you documenting my journey and just having the interest to document my journey, man, because, you know, I appreciate the time. Time is, time is very valuable.